Hello. Hello, Merlin. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <sighs> I think I'm doing pretty good. It's a it's a lovely, clear day here. It's a it's a good day. It's an optimistic day. When I was up there, um, it, oh yeah, uh, you were in this neck of the woods. Yeah, I was. Uh, it, it rained the one day. Yeah. But the other days was it was nice, nice and cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's very pleasant. Damn. Things in Austin. They're good here. It's nice. We're having some cold weather again, but I'm not complaining. Hmm. Not complaining. Yeah, things are good. I don't understand my daughter's homework. Is it the math stuff? I actually watched some videos to learn how they do math now, and I was blown away by some of these really cool techniques that they have for math now. That like so I much smarter than what we wish do. that well, I had, what, had we, that. what we what we were taught seems like caveman arithmetic. <laughs> it really does. The, I mean, like the it's way like they do memorize long division. all of these things. There are no shortcuts. Right. Right. Yeah. Caveman arithmetic. That's pretty good. That's a good um, one. Can close the show down now. I see. Well, she got homework last night that everybody but me understands. It supposedly involves fractions, but it was really weirdly worded. It involved mixing combinations of orange juice and soda water and then giving your opinions about how sour or bubbly it was. And I just, you know, I just don't understand. But, you know, this new mathematics stuff is really great. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch, I guess, in the past, but I don't know. It is it is a testament to how paradigmatically different it is that I find it so baffling. It's getting less difficult now, but the stuff she was learning in second and third grade was very difficult for me to understand. Because it, it felt antithetical to the brute force method that we were taught. Oh, yeah. You know? And, but it's funny, though. You get, I don't know if you get this, but you hear some pretty conflicting advice. I mean, they, in third grade, which is, I remember very clearly as, arithmetic in third grade mostly was, here are 100 times problems, and you just keep doing this until you get it perfect. Right. And that was third grade. And they were specifically, uh, we were instructed not to teach them times tables, that, that this is not the way we do this now, that there's this other way we have of doing this. We think about these numbers and their families and their personalities in these different ways. And I was like, well, this is a real woo-woo to me. Like, <laughs> she should be unhappy and memorizing things like me. But then on the other hand, we got it on the uh, on the DL that, man, you know, actually it would be kind of good for, for her to learn times tables because they will save you a lot of trouble. You know, at least learn the sevens. Those are hard. I I find that if you try to apply what we have learned to help your child, it just confuses them. You confuses have to everybody. Yeah, you have to learn it what they're learning and the way that. And what's interesting is, unlike when we were taught, like you said, the brute force methods that we were taught. Well, I remember they taught us like this is the way that you do it. Now they're being taught multiple different approaches, and they're told pick the one you like best. Yeah, I explain explain why you chose that right. and how it works. And a lot of it involves, I mean, I, again, I don't understand this, so I'm only just saying this phonetically, but it's it ends up being a lot of stuff about kind of like chunking and estimating. Right, right. And, but like just the dumb stuff I never learned that seems so obvious. Like I've said before, I didn't learn to calculate a tip until college. So he's like, take 10% and double it. It's like, oh my God, that's a really good idea. <laughs> right. So I move the decimal, I make that times two. But, you know, a lot of it is stuff where it just seems so obvious now where it's like, well, to figure this out, do the hundreds, do the tens. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I had to sneeze. It's all right. And, uh, and that's very sensible, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I do, I do still kind of feel like 
I guess this is probably out there, but I feel like some of this stuff is still so new-ish or is so shaded in how it's taught that you, I, feel, I feel like you can't definitively just go on YouTube and look up, like, teach me how kids learn math, because I think it does vary a lot. But I had that same experience of, like, I'm not going to try to help you with this because my help will not be helpful. To, to the point where earlier this year where they're getting a division, she told me how they do division. She's like, well, you do the number of here, you do this, you make this little curve in this line. I was like, wait a minute. That's how I did division. Are you sure you're doing that right? <laughs> right. Do you guys do you guys still have remainders? She's like, "Yes, we still have remainders." Idiot. <laughs> Stupid dad. Well, speaking speaking of teaching, ah! I went to uh to two places in San Francisco that you have been. Uh, really? I went to ILM with the courtesy of our friend Todd. Friend uh, of the show Todd. Yeah, friend of the show. And uh he was gracious, gave a lovely lovely tour. I got to see everything. So cool. And it's hard not to get excited there. It, it really, I mean, there's so much there. And they, just that little waiting area. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. It's a Darth Vader. Whatever. I know. <laughs> oh, it's a Stormtrooper, whatever. And it's so sort of like serene and peaceful around mm. the little campus that they have. It's sort of like, uh, it, it, it's just like dropped into the middle of the, of the otherwise very busy city. And I just really enjoyed that. And, um, and they had some of the new stuff from the the latest two star wars films and um and and like just had been brought in that was very cool yeah i mean it's worth it's worth mentioning that in a lot of ways it's 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 almost like uh like a living museum Mm -hmm. so many of the props and practical stuff like you could see like was it slimer like there you see a ghostbusters figure you see like all this stuff that was which is not in great shape right now but you can see like i don't know if you met um todd's friend uh i think it's tom who worked on like the the plane landing in a Die Hard movie? Yeah, they I like, saw the, the plane planes, but I, d- I didn't get to meet him. But we saw some oh of the planes God. hanging, and so cool, so cool. And then yeah, he'll, yeah. they're they're like one of the things that I thought was really fascinating. I already have forgotten which movie it was for, but they have a lot of art that's up on the walls, and a lot of the oh, art was yeah. used for like backdrops in in scenes. Like that black, the, the one the night scene. That's what that I was going to talk about. It's yeah, mind blowing. With the, yeah. so apparently you can paint things to be in the background for a lot of different movie shots. And then you never have any idea that it was a painting. It looks like you just assume it's like clouds and a mountain. And in fact, that's a painting. Well, apparently lights, like if you're showing a city that's supposed to be behind people, like they're up on a cliff or something and they're supposed to be a city that lights don't, don't show up in on the film very well they either don't look like lights or they look fake and so the way they got around this is they poke little holes in uh in the painting and then behind the canvas yes in the canvas itself and behind it they have uh they have a light shining but that's not enough in order to get it to twinkle and seem real they then have to have like pieces of what is essentially like i i guess like you could call it gauze it's something like that behind it that's two of them moving in different directions at the same time that gives it that twinkling effect like every little detail for this is thought through it's amazing and uh and it, that was that was really fun so thanks to todd for that and then another Did you get to see the carpenter's cup is that I don't know I, yes i saw the carpenter's cup Oh, that one blew me. I took a photo. I took a photo too. Photos. I took a photo too. Todd's like, uh, "You see that?" I'm like, "What?" He goes, "That's the carpenter's." Yeah, it's a cup of a carpenter. And then, uh, (sighs) then there's also they had the cross, which belongs in a museum. You've chosen well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, yeah. So I I took a picture of that. I took a picture of the other thing. I didn't care. And then uh, I also got to go to Pixar, where a friend friend of the show, Chris, uh, Chris Walker, yes, 
Oh my god, he's so nice. Did he show you the Pixar box? He the box? Oh, well, he works in the big uh, last time well, I, he might have moved since then, but when I was there, he was like a big shot in the whole like renderer farm. Yeah, he's like a area. like a super IT nerd like I used to be. Yes. Yeah, he I don't know if he showed me the box, but he he took me around and uh, we ate lunch there, which is I ate lunch at both places. It was great. Oh, wow. And, uh, but he, so nice. he took me to the legendary uh the legendary theater where Merlin Mann once spoke. Oh yeah, Garth Brooks opened a door for me there once. Nice. And so he super brought me in there. He was wearing sweatpants. It was super confusing. And the door- Did you show you the tiny hidden room? Yes. <laughs> I love that room. That was awesome. It said, do not close this door. Oh, God. It's so great. It's so great. Everybody there cares so much about what they do. I know. It's so fun. Did you get anything at the gift shop? Uh, I spent an obscene amount of money in both <laughs> gift shops. Uh, I got... Um, you can get like crew stuff there. Yeah, really cool. I got it all. And I got the stuff for my kids. I'm, I, le- I was... Re- I'm like, okay, I think I'll spend, you know, tw- I've got 25, 30 bucks. I think I spent like $300. It's horrible. But you can only get this stuff there. And like, what are you going to yeah. do? You're going to regret it the rest of your what life? What are you going to do? Don't regret it. Get it. <sighs> yeah, I got a, when I spoke at ILM, I got a, uh, my friend who got me, who set it up, my friend Christine, who set it up, like, she gave me all this, like, I think it was kind of like a, an odds and sods bunch of like just cool stuff she had. And I've got a, I've got a bust of Chewbacca from episode three. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That until three days ago was sitting on the table by our door. And my wife was finally like, I think it's time to retire Chewie. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> I'm so glad you got to do that. It was you, so you fun. Feel, and like and when you go to Pixar, I don't know if it's still this way, but Pixar, when you go upstairs, obviously there's a lot of stuff that's kind of off um, off limits to the public and right. they mark that clearly down these hallways. But they've also got these two sides. And one side, like on the left side, is like a... It's usually like really cool, like community art projects and things kids have done and stuff like that. And when I've been there two or three, four times, it's the other side is all like art and production stuff for whatever their next yes, thing is going to be. Yes. Oh, it's so exciting to get to see like the clay rendering. Oh my like, gosh. They call, maquettes is what they call those. Maquettes. That's right, maquettes yeah. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. Uh, but you get to see like a, like a big, you know, the incredible statues and all this stuff. Like they make all of that stuff, like figure out what cloth you would actually use if this was going to be this person's outfit. It was really amazing. All of that because their, their big movie now is Coco, which is the <sighs> sort of Mexican day of the dead themed uh, movie, which is great. And, uh, and so, yeah, they had all of this. Ama- and it's it's weird because, like, a lot of the things that uh, I think you see in a movie, especially when you're like, wow, that that looks real. Like, that looks in a Pixar movie. You're like, it, it's a cartoon, but it's not a cartoon. And it looks three-dimensional, but it doesn't. Actually seeing that they're starting with these three-dimensional clay sculptures, essentially, these maquettes, is just, uh, it's just mind-blowing. But it was great yeah. fun. It was great fun. The whole time, I'm like, man, I, my kids would love these. I just oh, love I them. I'm so glad you got to do it. Yeah. It's, you don't, you know, I mean, it's if you consider yourself a creative person and a little bit of a nerd, it's like Valhalla. <laughs> totally. To, to see, you know, and obviously, a lot of it is stage-managed. It's like going to Apple. Like, they're going to show you the stuff they want to show you. But with that said, like, you've had these emotional experiences with these characters right. and movies and, like, movies like The Incredibles. I have no idea how many times I've seen that movie. And getting to see even these, just these little bits of, like, how seriously they took these ideas when they were just ideas. Like, we can be excited about it now because it's so well implemented and finished and sits there on our Apple TV. But, like, to get to see, like, the amount of care and thought, consideration that went into 
cartoons. Right. Like, let's be honest, right. these cartoons. But they take it so seriously, and that's one reason they're the best, is that they've thought about a lot of stuff about what that person's hair would do in this situation. Like, they've had arguments about, like, what <laughs> right. your collar should do. That's you right. Know, like, one, one of my all-time, I've, I talked about this on um, talk show well, one week when you were away, but one of my all-time favorite, like, half seconds in Pixar is when the guy comes to Newman's apartment to fix Woody and like, and to, you know, he paints him and he fixes him up and he restitches his arm back on. Yeah. And there's just this little scene of him pulling the thread and the arm, you can see from inside shot out, like what it looks like when the arm is reattached <laughs> and there's just these perfect little threads that went into all of that for like a half second shot. Right. You know, it's, so good well there there was something that i thought was really interesting that uh chris was talking to me about and he said you know like pixar is at the point now where every every big movie that they do essentially has to be a blockbuster because so much of what you're talking about of of this attention to detail and the work and the number of you know they measure it in in people hours like mm-hmm. you know and i forget how many he said it was it's some ridiculous it six hundred thousand you know person hours go into right, it it's right. something big like that and he's like you know but because the each of these is so big like it's such a huge investment for them uh, in a resource at a resource uh, level that that every movie they do has to be a success like it, it they can't put out a movie that's not a blockbuster and so one of the ways they're responding to this is they have these like little projects that they're doing where they're doing like little i don't know if they're going to be shorts or if they're if they're whatever but they're like these small projects that they're doing to kind of turn that on its head and say what can we do with like five people you know, oh, where it's more like Pixar Labs, yeah, something like that. So I'm I'm curious to see what what will come out of that. But that was well, the that shorts. Was cool I mean, too. we own all of the shorts on Apple TV, and they're, I mean, it's not just for nerds. It's you know, like when you see a short before a Pixar movie, uh, those are all collected. And I think that's some of their some of my favorite Pixar things. Like I'm a real weirdo. I think Small Fry, the Angus McLean short about Buzz Light, you're getting misplaced at the chicken place. Right. I think that is one of the funniest animations I've ever seen. The <laughs> amount of care that goes into every dumb lost toy, you know? Yeah. DJ Blue Jay. Like, but um, those are those are so enjoyable. Um, what's I going to say? He also, I forget this, but Chris threw out, because he he's a big data nerd there. He threw out some crazy factoid where like to see the improvements in what I will call rendering. Right. Like the difference. So go watch, go see what Woody looks like in Toy Story versus what Woody looks like in Toy Story 3. And like, he still looks like a toy, but the the amount of detail, I mean, even in the first one, the stuff that like the little running boards on the walls are scuffed. There's so much detail in every bit, but he says that, and forgive me, Chris, if I'm misquoting you, but he might've thrown this out to you, but like something like each Pixar feature um, created something like twice as much data per minute or whatever, right, as, as the one as, before as right. until they got to cars two when they had to do all the reflections mm. and then it was something like 10 times as much something something crazy like that it's so much to manage and then you got dr wave over there who's doing all this crazy stuff behind the scenes about their workflow and how they work together and they've pioneered all these different ways of being able to collaborate effectively it's a it's a hell of an organization and you know me being the the it nerd i was asking him like what kind of computers they use because i remember back in the old days it was all sgi it was all the silicon graphics very very expensive you know twenty thirty thousand dollar workstations a piece and that's what they used to to do to use all their 
Uh, is that S- SGI? SGI, or? yeah. Because um, RenderMan, I think, is the name of the software that I believe right. they created to do computer animation. And it used to be all SGI. And so eventually, as Linux came around, you know, you can get commodity hardware and throw a, a fast CPU and RAM and a good graphics card in, you know, what is essentially cheap a cheap enclosure and for a couple thousand bucks you can get a machine that's super high performance so everything they're doing now same at ilm it's all it's all uh, linux and it, because both these companies are now owned by disney they are sort of sharing their technology infrastructure and they're they're both so it's all like they're pretty much all linux uh for doing all of this work now which is also a big that's change sensible. from 10 years yeah. ago yeah makes a lot of sense yeah um uh, yeah, I love that. But place. I went. I went into the Merlin Man Theater. They've renamed it to the Merlin Man Theater. And <laughs> My talk that day was not that good. It was great, and it was um, the whole room was completely like as an audio nerd. It was mm-hmm. like sounded amazing. Like there was absolutely no sound, and if you clapped your hands, there's no reverb in there at all. And it was just like a recording dream it was, it was very a real cool. honor for me to get to go there and explain to people how to pixar uh pixar how to be good at work it's a real <laughs> honor for me you guys don't check your email too much see you later i'm out <laughs> that was it that was your whole talk, <laughs> the whole talk. nice <laughs> they were very very gracious um sounds like a good trip dan we got a lot to cover today did you want to maybe uh tell me about something that you like i would like to tell you about eero Eero? Eero? Are you even kidding me? It, I was on the Eero, doing Eero, literally this morning. I have I have Eero, new Eero anecdotes that I can share with you. Well, do you think... Tell, tell the people about the Eero. Do you think there's people who don't know what Eero is? I think they probably are aware of what Eero is, but like this is one of those sponsors where I am very happy to provide some first-person color to how transformative this thing has been um, in convenience and dependability in our household. So I'll I'll let the gentleman speak and withhold my remarks, but tell people what Eero is at the heart of it. The goal with Eero is uh, that they they want it so you never have to think about Wi-Fi again. Most people like me who have had a lot of different... uh, I started Wi-Fi back with one of those Linksys WRTG routers back in the old Mm days. You can can hack it. Yeah, you can run Linux on it. hack the firmware. And, you know, all the way up through all the, the Apple Airport stuff and on uh, Netgear and all these other ones. And one thing that I found uh, is that you spend an awful lot of time thinking about the Wi-Fi, you know, and that's something you really shouldn't have to think about. It should just... It's you, like having to think about your electric. That's right. Like, I don't want to know that. Just make it work. And that that was pretty much Eero's goal. They started to do this uh, a number of years ago, and I guess in 2016 maybe is when they started. But they their goal was to build the Wi-Fi that they wished they had in their own homes. You know, something that's fast and reliable and a good connection in every single room and maybe even the backyard too. And they came out with the Eero Home Wi-Fi system. And the concept is very different from what you're used to. It used to be that you would have one super powerful base station somewhere in your house and you'd have all these dead zones. And then maybe if you were really, really uh, committed to try to... (laughs) If you had aluminum foil and coat hangers, you could take something you read about on Lifehacker and supposedly (laughs) turn it into a NASA station for getting your Wi-Fi two feet further. That's right. So what they said is it shouldn't be like that. So there's still a base station, but instead of having one base station that's super powerful trying to reach the uh, furthermost points of your house, they have these little things that they call beacons. 
And this is new in their second generation uh, Aero. And what's inside of it is uh, these little 5 gigahertz radios. It's tri-band, so it's twice as fast as the first generation. And what you do is you, you go to the different parts of your house, and you're using a little Eero app that you download on your uh, iPhone or your Android phone. And it tells you, oh, you know what? The signal is not perfect here. You should put one of the beacons right here or in this area. So you usually wind up with between one and three beacons, depending on how massive your house is. And this gives you fast connection in every room. These are not extenders. I want to be clear. They're not extenders. What they are, are uh, I think they call them beacons and they, they are uh, connected to this mesh that you now have a Wi-Fi mesh in your house and it seamlessly blankets your whole house with Wi-Fi. I get fast connection upstairs in the farthest room as much as I do out on the back patio, as much as I do in the same room where the cable connection comes into the house. It's amazing. Uh, and, and I, you know, however they're doing it is it's brilliant. And the only interface that you ever have to deal with is this very elegant app that just works and that they've had a lot of fun making. And Merlin, I would love to hear your thoughts and anecdotes about this. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that app because I mean, once you set this thing up, I have not had problems with the hardware at all. Why am I trying to say this? Because sometimes the Comcast goes out and that's not Eero's fault. Right. But the actual the actual Eero itself has been crazy dependable. But how rare is it to have an application for a hardware product that's not an Apple product that you like using and is actually incredibly useful? So here's a real world use case. My wonderful niece, one of my favorite people in the world, was in town for Sketchfest. She does UCB comedy and she's been in town uh, the last couple nights staying with us, having a great time. And she shows up and she's like, oh, hey, can I get on your Wi-Fi? I'm like, uh, yeah, you totally can get on my Wi-Fi. I leave the guest network turned off because I'm a weirdo. But when somebody comes to visit, you flip the guest network on. It generates a second, you know, um, what do they call that? But, you know, it's a second uh, address where it'll be like name of your router guest. Or right, right. And if you've got an iOS 11 iPhone, you have them point at a QR code and it automatically connects them to the guest network. Isn't that crazy? If they don't have that, you can text them the one-off password for your guest network and it goes straight to them. It works that easy. And she was on in, you know, seconds. Uh, that was great. I mean, now she, uh, God bless her. She left this morning and, uh, I went and I looked at Eero and like I do, I flipped down and I looked at connected devices. It shows you all the devices on your network. And yes, you can give them special names and emoji like I have, cause I'm weird. And I went and I looked and it said, Hey, there's Molly's MacBook and there's Molly's iPhone. It would show that it had been on the network. So if anything weird shows up on your network, you can say, Hey, I don't want that on here and block it. You can even do things like create profiles where you say the following devices are associated with this person in my family. And that particular person in my family shouldn't be on the iPhone in the middle of the night, so don't let it be, and stuff like that. Um, the It is a joy to use. It automatically does a speed test every day. In my case, 348 every day, nice. 348 p.m. It does a speed test. It says, yep, you got 134 down and 11 up. Everything is copacetic. Uh, it's, it's enough said, but like this is really good. This is, this is uh, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but man, if you've if you care about the Wi-Fi getting in your house the same way you care about the electricity, I think you can be very happy with this purchase. I bought one to put in the garage just because I, I bought a beacon just to extend the signal. And it's been working out great. So now I can take out the trash and still listen to ATP while it's streaming. And the beacons have little uh, little lights on them. They can be night lights if you want them to be. You can turn, you them, can turn them off. Right. Yeah. Don't even need a reason. Don't even need one. But you do need one of these. It's Eero, E-E-R-O dot com. If you go there... You can get free overnight shipping by entering the code back to work. Because when you want your Wi-Fi, you want it now. You know, they're mm. going to run with that. That's theirs. They can have that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is free overnight shipping now. It's only to the U.S. and Canada. 
Okay, only the cool countries. So it's eero.com. And uh, you select overnight shipping and you enter back to work one word and it will make it free. And we appreciate the support from Eero and we both have them and we both love them. So uh, thanks very much, Eero. Thanks, Eero. Buck, buck. It's good service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, we got, once again, BT Dubs Nation has come through and uh, given us lots of, <laughs> I just made that up. Uh, BT Dubs Nation has. I, I like uh, it. I like it a lot. <laughs> BT Dubs Nation has gotten back to us and uh, given us lots of good feedback and questions. Can I do? Uh, can I do a kind of a lightning round? Oh of yeah, a combination of things people have told us about and things I just wanted to share. Love it. Yes. Uh, listener William sent a link to something so useful. Listener William sends a link to Flexible. F L I X A B L E dot com. Flexible. Go check it out. Go look at it. List of movies and TV shows on Netflix. News. France will be added soon. Hmm. France will be added soon. News. And scroll down. So, uh, the thing we were pissing and or moaning about. Oh, wow. This is cool. What's what's the new Netflix stuff that's been added to the Netflix, which is virtually impossible to figure out? When they add new movies, they add new shows. Uh, It's not just... I want to say... You can say... Is it just Netflix original stuff? Is this all Netflix originals? No, because it's got Dallas Buyers Club on there and that they didn't do that. So it'll show you basically. It's like a TV guide. You go in and it shows you January 30th, this Jerry Seinfeld movie was added. You can click on TV. You can say what genre, what rating, what year, any of that stuff, and it will pull it up for you. Thank you so much to listener William. I've already used this, uh, flexible.com. I like this. And you can search you can search and filter by uh by genre rating. You can sort by oh, yeah. the whether it's been added to, to Netflix. You can change the release year with the little slider from nineteen hundred all the way to twenty eighteen. I like it. A lot of stuff from the nineties and later. Um Stranger Things, there it is. You can just do a search and it's kinda easier to use than uh, the dingus. Boy, I'm really into using Siri on the Apple TV. Oh boy, I use it a lot. I've always forget it's there. Isn't that dumb? I always forget well, it's there. I'll, you know, it's I'll tell you, it's it's useful for. Well, I think the classic example is probably like say, take something like a maybe not Shark Tank, but a show you know is out there somewhere, but you're not sure where, and you just say Shark Tank, and it boop, little card comes up and it says, okay, which service do you want to watch this on? Do you want to buy this on iTunes? Do you want to watch on Hulu, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think it's way more useful than the actual TV app, Apple. Um, but you know what I use it for constantly? Um, last night, I, I did all of my manipulation of YouTube on Apple TV via voice. And it's great. So you just say, say into your dingus, um, find clean Vine compilation on YouTube. And it's really good at finding it. You can even say stuff like, say, say find key and peel substitute on YouTube. It spells key and peel correctly. Finds this the famous sketch with the substitute teacher, Jake Wellen. It finds that and brings it up and you're watching it in YouTube without having to click around and go to the icon and go up and down. It's terrific. It's uh it's it's very good, the Siri. You know, are you excited or looking forward to the HomePod? No. No. Do you have one? Are you I mean, are you have one pre-ordered or ordered or anything? I mean, no. No, me neither. I, uh, it, it seems like the focus of the HomePod is music. And yes, I, I think that's very, very true. I, whereas something like the uh, Amazon Echo is, seems like the focus is information and it, it can do music. And I have almost no experience with the Google one. Uh, but I think that, you know, they definitely seem like they're competing products. But 
Apple's focus is on music, and the people who are talking about it is how how great it sounds. And yeah, like to like to, to amount to an amount that's weird. Yeah, yeah, it feels like I I love all of our friends in the Apple first, but my goodness, there's a lot of. They're very thirsty to let you know how good this thing is. It's really strange. Right. And I'm not... Is that just me? I mean, doesn't no, it seem right. like people are just bending completely over backwards to let you know like how important this thing is at being a speaker? Uh, it's really odd. The reason I think it is is because I think this is the messaging... Okay. So if, if I'm going to play conspiracy theory, sort of... I love that game. I, I, would, I would say Apple is aware that um, the Siri functionality on the HomePod is weak compared to its other iOS devices and weak, com- very weak compared to things mm-hmm. like the Amazon uh, Echo. And the, go- and the Google. And the yeah. Google. Uh, whereas there, uh, there's already been some articles coming out saying, oh, you can't do things with your calendar on this. You can't do this. You can't do that. And, and so I feel like the thing that they apparently got right or that they got very, very right is the quality of the sound of music that's coming out of this. Whereas the, I would see, feel like that's an afterthought for the Amazon Echo. Um, that right, that, right. that for them, it's something that, and I remember that the demo of it, you know, it's hard to give a demo with like pictures that everyone's watching on a big screen that's coming over mono recording on your, you know, TV. But apparently it, it, like you said, it's like really, really good. Well, I think that this is the messaging that Apple wants to put out there, that this is about yes. amazing music. And yeah, we can kind of do some other things too, but yeah, the amazing music, this is about music. I totally, I totally agree with you, but like it falls to me. Okay. Imagine a scenario where like when we started this show 18 years ago or whenever it was, imagine if somebody had said, and I, I'm pretty sure that that would be the age before Lady in the Tube stuff yeah. happened. But yeah. if somebody said to you, um, Hey, there's this new speaker for the home. There's, there's, you could get a speaker right. in your house. Right. And guess what? Like, it's going to sound really, really good. And, and on top of it, you can talk to it and it will do stuff. Like, that would seem a little bit, you know, at that point, probably, do we even have Siri then? I know it wasn't so great at first, but mm-hmm. the point is, if you'd asked me then, would you, would you spend whatever, $359 for this? And it's not just about the money, although that will come into it in a second. Okay, uh, would you buy that? I'd be like, God, of course I would. Like, that's such a no-brainer. But And I, and now I'm covering a little bit of ground that Marco covered on ATP, but I think this is a very important point to make the, that I've arrived at on my own as well. Okay, so so the truth is, though, like I want a brilliant voice technology system that has, a, has an okay, good speaker attached to it. If this were the best sounding speak for my purposes, I'm going to speak personally. If this were the best sounding speaker in the world that kind of does a stereo thing and bounces off your walls, but it's the best sounding speaker, like better than a Sonos. I mean, that's good, but mm, I don't know. I mean, if it doesn't do all the stuff that my Amazon thing can, uh, I mean, I could just go buy a nice speaker and you know what that nice speaker would have hardware inputs. Mm-hmm. How do you put this thing out with no hardware inputs? That's bananas. So on the one hand, you've made this thing that's going to be, I don't want me to be a hater, but like, I feel like I'm being gaslit a little bit by the Apple community who's so over the moon about this thing. So, okay, on the one hand, it doesn't have hardware inputs. So you're an audiophile. You've got top of the line equipment. You're ready to go all in on this, on this one speaker. Oh, because guess what? You can't do stereo pairs yet. Really? So I, I could spend... $720 $720 on these to use from a home theater, but they won't do stereo pairing yet. Yeah. Like that's, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. That all seems very weird to me. The fact that you couldn't, if you wanted to play flack or Og Vorbis or whatever, you still got to stream it through 
Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. And that's not even getting into all the limitations of the account stuff. And like, you know, you can do certain kinds of things when your phone's in the house and other kinds of things not. I mean, that's a lot of dough to ask for something that's not a top of the line voice thing and is mostly a really good speaker, except you can't get to the really good speaker through hardware inputs. That's crazy to me. So, I mean, I, you know me, like there's a pretty good chance I'll eventually get this thing once they figure out what the hell it's actually for. But like for me to be able to like be laying in bed and say into the air, hey, lady in a tube, play KQED FM from TuneIn upstairs. And guess what? Now public radio is playing through every echo in my house with no latency. Right. Like that is a million times more powerful than me to me than a $360 speaker that I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can, can you ask it about your calendar? No, not currently. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's not done. Yeah. It sounds like it's know. not, it sounds like it's not done. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, uh, but just, I mean, just, uh, I'm not, I don't mean to be spewing the haterade here. I mean, I'm glad they're doing new stuff. I'm glad they're trying new things. I'm always glad when they're trying new things. It's just that if this were, Without equivocation, the single greatest speaker I had ever heard in my life, especially given the fact that my ears are pretty dead, personally, right, right, right. Um, buying one of these would be weird. Uh, buying two of these, I could see doing, but like if you if you don't have a way to get into it, like uh, it starts to feel like I guess they'll iterate this, but like what place does this I'm have? Sure, in your I'm life? sure they'll iterate it, and uh, and. Oh, and it doesn't play Spotify. No, and that was the other thing I was just going to mention, too, is that it's it almost is reminiscent of when they first came out with the iPod. Uh, they, that was a Mac-only device. There was no way to get music on it or do anything with it unless you had a Mac. And I remember uh, they said famously that, oh, yeah, we'll make iTunes for Windows when hell freezes over. And then when Steve Jobs came out, he said, hell has frozen over. Here's iTunes for Windows, and now you can... You know, you can plug your iPod in, use it on Windows, and that's that's yeah. how you did that. And but it was very much a Mac centric thing. And this HomePod is in the you same. Had to hook it up with FireWire to your Mac to and your Mac, iTunes. right? Yeah. And so now we have something I, I would say that's kind of similar. That this is a device that is very very Apple centric, and that's fine. It's this is not a complaint, but it you know all of the other devices let you do pretty much everything out there except what you can get to with Apple music. And this is, again, it's the same thing. It's like, how long did we wait for Amazon prime to come to the Apple TV? How long did we have to wait for other apps to get to the Apple TV so that we could get our content that's somewhere else, you know? Right. Right. Uh, and, and, and it's, and you feel this sense of like, you really pull for Apple to do the thing that upends an industry and make something that's, you know, four to nine times better than everything else that's out there, even if it costs a little bit more. Right, right. But like, you know, one reason I don't use Sonos, the Sonos company, I did not buy these. They, some friend of mine there had them sent to me and they're great. But like, they make a great sound bar that doesn't work with my TV anymore. Mm -hmm. But the Sonos family is really nice, but their app is hot garbage. It's no fun to use. But even that hot garbage is very permissive about all of the different systems. <clears throat> so you can listen to Amazon streaming. You can listen to any of the various Amazon music services, Google Play, Apple Music, yes, and Spotify, all of that stuff from your Sonos family in that hot garbage app. But mm-hmm. like, what problem, what problem that a normal person suffers from is this solving? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I, but you know, this goes back to, there were some people on uh, Twitter that I follow 
who were talking a lot about home automation and turning things on and off with their voice. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that on the, the other episode where we were pointing out that how useful that can be to somebody who, for whatever reason, uh, mm-hmm. might have a challenge doing that for themselves. You know, like you a know? mobility problem right. or some kind of a, like a physical thing that makes it difficult for them to manipulate Right. And I, I feel like around. if, yeah, if Apple's focus is on like uh, that kind of integration, if the, if it's somehow going to be much, much easier to use the HomePod to do that kind of thing than it is to use one of the competitors, I feel like that could be an angle they could mm-hmm. go for. But I don't, I sure. don't see that. I don't see that that's the case right now. It doesn't seem like it's going to be better or easier to do anything. It, right now, it seems like it's a really awesome speaker for music. Uh, as long as yeah. you're in the Apple ecosystem of music, which I'm not, I don't, I have removed Apple music. Like you can delete it off of your phones. I've done that. Um, the only thing that I ever use for music is Spotify. I use it. That's what most, most people use, but it's also, and this is the final thing I'll say, please don't email me unless you really feel like you need to. Uh, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm not saying don't buy this. I'm saying it's perplexing to me why you would buy this. And it's even more perplexing to me that there's such like, that there's this weirdly resonant wave of love for this thing that just seems very strange given anyway, whatever that's me. But, um, it's, it's that also that with Apple, man, I'm ready for Apple to be honest and fully throated and it's excitement and endorsement of the stuff that it is making. I'm ready for, and they set a high bar when Steve walked on stage and said, this, this is three things. It's a phone. The high bar has been set for like, we get ready. We're going to blow the world away with a new, with a new class of device. And you're pulling for that, right? You you really, really want it. It's just that this feels so limp the way that this has rolled out yeah. and like nobody's allowed to actually, they're not, I guess they sent them out to some people recently, but like they, they kind of sort of hit their date with it, but it's also, it feels like there's so many asterisks to how it's being covered that it just, it doesn't feel like it feels very stage managed. It doesn't feel like something they're genuinely proud of. Yeah. It had the whole rollout's been kind of weird. I mean, first it was delayed then it was limited features and you know i was since someone else on twitter was saying oh this is a typical tim cook launch of a product of a new product you know i think that's a little harsh but it it has not been a good rollout i don't think anyone would think it was a good rollout of a product yeah. and uh, if if anything you know i i've read a review from a couple people who had it who, again oh it's amazing it sounds so amazing but how's you know what problem is it solving that um that we have i don't know yeah, yeah, and I mean, and and could you have spent five hundred dollars on a more high end speaker mm-hmm. that you could hook up an Amazon Echo to? Right. You know, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure I'll see one at some point, and I'm, I'll think it's good. But like, it's it has now been enough time, enough compensatory muscles have built up that I am so used to dealing with an Echo. And so happy generally with the results. I mean, I feel like I could be very happy based on what I've heard. I could be very happy with the Google one. People love that. Yeah. And it's have you seen, quite have, good. Have you seen it in person or used it? No, Syracuse uses that. <clears throat> and a lot of my uh, daughter's friends have those. And so, you know, we, you compare notes on stuff like that. But uh, the scuttlebutt that I had was like, if you're already bought in on the Amazon system and happy with it, that, you know, do you want to pull up stakes and go to Google to do this? And it just wasn't there for me. I'm, yeah. you know. That is a very personal point of view and a financial consideration in that, like, I'm happy with how that's, you know, that's working. Right. Um, yeah. And I, you know, maybe when I feel like 
I don't know. Eh, you know, I'm going to stop. I don't want to get in trouble. But when Apple, I want to get you in trouble. When Apple is really, huh? Yeah, I want to get you in trouble. Okay. Um, I knew you were in trouble when you walked in. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. When when I'm when I get really super duper happy about Apple services and feel like it is hands. You know, I mean, I I use Google for calendars. I use Google for mail. I use Google for searching. I use Google for docs. I mean, woe betide you if you are a company or a school or an organization that went all in on the suite of Apple, uh, what do they call it? iWork. Like, how's that going? Right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you had said like, okay, here's the way we're going to do that. Cause I mean, is that even, I, I know now I'm just being unkind, but like, are they anywhere near like where Google Docs is, where sh- Google Sheets is? I mean, <laughs> not even they, close. Yeah. And it's like, well, so what happened to those folks? And, you know, now they're tearing out the U.S. server stuff. And it's like, you know, focus is good, but like, you know, don't leave us hanging if there's another thing we could be using that's better, you know, based on these assurances that when it comes out, it's going to be this best thing ever. And then it's a speaker. I don't know. Ah, ah, ah. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. It's a happy occasion. (laughs) Thanks to listener William for telling us about Flexible. 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 By William. Did he write it? Is that his? Hmm? Did he make that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. of course he made it. Okay. Well, I'm thank you to me for making that. Giving him William. the credit. Oh, I got lots of little weird stuff here. It's not very consequential. Um, I wanted to recommend some things. Okay. Uh, I am not mm, a giant fan of the whole genre of turns out media. And I am in particular, not a huge fan of hidden brain. The, uh, NPR series. The guy seems cool. The guy seems nice. He does good work, <clears throat> but he's toiling in a genre that I find exhausting. Um, with that said, Hidden Brain, uh, the podcast, has a really good interview with Hawkeye Pierce this week. They talked to Alan Alda about this book that he's written um, about how we do and don't communicate. Mm. And I thought, first of all, I just love Alan Alda, but like for fans of this show, I think you would really enjoy this. It's called, uh, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face, <laughs> my adventures in the art and science of relating and communicating. Uh, and then, uh, the, the host does a really good job, uh, with the interview. So that's in show notes, uh, Alan Alda on hidden brain. Uh, if people were looking for the things that we mentioned, where would they find show notes for this episode? Oh, right. They want the show notes. 5by5.tv slash B as in B, mm-hmm. 2 as in the number, W mm-hmm. as in website, slash mm-hmm. 361. 361. Hmm. So that's really good. Um, I finally found an episode. An episode. I finally found a recipe for hard-boiled eggs that I really, really like. Okay. Okay, and there's some stuff in this recipe that I had not tried before. There's some stuff I do know about, but um, everybody has different ways that they like their hard-boiled eggs, but I'm a big hard-boiled egg man. And um, the one on the uh, the, the Kenji Lopez guy, his recipe's good. It's very science-y. This one is so easy and so useful. It's from uh, the horribly named Nom Nom Paleo, which is actually a really good cookbook. Yeah, I know. I know her. 
Oh, do you? Yeah, I've known her since. Oh, that's a, that's a delightful book. She I love was the way it's very, designed. very, very early starting out, and her recipes are amazing. And Whole Foods now—I don't know if it's everywhere or just here in Austin—but like when you go to, you know, Whole Foods has like the prepared food section for yeah, like buffet. Yeah, yeah. So, like they have on a certain day of the week, they will put up a little Nom Nom Paleo sign with her little little avatar girl on it. Mm-hmm. And like they're preparing meals that are her based on her recipe. So it's, she's, she's big time now. Her name is Michelle Tam. That's so her. Here's, here's the nut of it for hard boiled eggs. First of all, my thesis, most people suck at making hard boiled eggs because they make it the way that they think that they should make hard boiled eggs, which is generally as, as this, you get a pot full of boiling water and drop in some eggs for like 15 minutes, <laughs> 20 minutes. Um, and they usually turn out terrible. They usually turn out really way too hard. They could be sulfury smelling. They're really gross. I like this recipe because it brought together a lot of stuff I do that's a little unconventional. And then a new thing I didn't know about that has changed my game. So number one, you pierce the eggs on the big part of the big bottom, big butt, egg butt. You put a hole in with a pin. So that's going to allow uh, air to get out, water to get in. It'll separate the pieces better. It cooks better. Now, here's the crazy part. You put those, carefully put those punctured eggs into a big old pan with cold water. So you're not dropping them into boiling water. You're putting them into the cold water. Okay. All right. So already this is seeming kind of nuts. You fill it up so there's like, I think at least an inch of water above them if you can. Now, here's where it gets good. Quoting here, for every three cups of water or so, I'd add half a teaspoon of baking soda. Really? This sounds so crazy. I didn't know if it would work. I'll come back to that, why we do that in a minute. Now you bring that up to a boil. And once it starts to boil, you set a timer for one minute. You let them boil for one minute. When that one minute is up, you set another timer. You let them sit with a lid on for 10 minutes. And then you take them out and immediately dump them into very, very, very icy water. And what you're going to get is a pretty great, like standard hard boiled egg that's not too gross and overcooked in the middle. But you know what else you're going to get? That that for, for whatever reason, that baking soda, you can practically peel off the shell in one piece. One, you do a little crack I love when around. you do that in one piece. You do, you do a little, you know, I don't know if you do like I do. I do a little crack. I do a crack. I do a crack. I do a roll around. I do a back and forth, zhuga, 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 and zupa, zupa, zupa. And then you do a little peel starting from the bottom and it comes off in one or two pieces. You get yourself a boiled egg. Now you have a delicious high protein snack that's just sitting in your fridge doesn't have to cost too much. It's really easy to do. It doesn't, it doesn't have the weird divots in the egg. It doesn't smell like sulfur. It's not all green in the middle. You get a really good ass hard boiled egg. You love the hard boiled eggs. I do love the hard boiled egg. I love, it's a life hack because if you're hungry and stupid, you end up eating something dumb. That's just, that's just caveman arithmetic. Like if you're, but if you're hungry and you have the presence of mind to say, wait a minute, I could eat two hard boiled eggs like a gentleman like you'll be pretty full and you've gotten some protein and you're not going to go eat junk and you might make it to the next meal without feeling like a nut. I will also, I don't know if I already put this in notes. Yeah. I'm also putting in notes, the food lab, how to make perfect hard boiled eggs by J. Kenji Lopez alt. Who's a really, really good writer and food guy. If you want to do his method, his method is different. His is all about like temperatures you start with. A lot of people say use older eggs. They'll be less uh, sticky with the eggshells, but this is a show about work. So I wanted to share that with people. I think that's a do, great one. Do, do you like hard boiled eggs? I like them. I don't think mm-hmm. I, I have the quite the love affair with them that, that you seem to have, but I do like them. I, I had two of them on my way to the airport 
uh, at uh, five in the morning when I was going to San Francisco. That's a great brain dead snack, and you can make a deviled egg real quick. You just you say so like you know have you know four or six of them. Well, sorry, two or three of them to make four or six halves. You scoop out the middles, you put in whatever you like, usually like mayonnaise, relish, paprika, some mustard or prepared mustard. Put it back in. You got a snack in like six minutes. I never thought of trying that, making the deviled eggs out of it. Do you put you put bacon in in there? Hmm, sure could. Okay. But you know, I you know, this is you're sure it's silly to bring up on this show that's nominally about work, but like I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's been trying to get off wheat and I was giving her some suggestions. And my number one suggestion, this goes straight back to any kind of diet or New Year's resolution or whatever, it's infrastructure. Infrastructure and planning. If you don't plan, you're gonna fail. Like get rid of the stuff in your house that you don't want to eat and get stuff in your house that you do want to eat. This is just one example of a bigger pattern, which is surround yourself with stuff that's good. This is to me a good thing. I'm sorry for the chickens, but uh, I, I'm not a chicken right to lifer. Sorry, <laughs> right? But uh, but it's uh, we're not killing it, the chickens by eating the eggs, are you? I mean, it might. Well, it depends on your conception of like when life, chicken life begins. But Does if they're not it? fertilized eggs, then there there's no beginning. This is going to get real Talmudic real fast. But I'm saying if you take a if you take a lady <laughs> is it right to buy a Chrysler? <laughs> if you take a lady chicken and you give it the yeah. little nest and everything it needs, my understanding yeah. is she's going to lay eggs in there. Yes. And if you don't have a male chicken to mate you know, with a female chicken, chicken yeah. mm-hmm. that these eggs are are uh, they're in, in, they're not fertilized. They're nothing. They're just a, a yolk yeah. and a white. Yeah, no, I, I, I take your point. It's, uh, I guess that could constitute a form of long-term emotional chicken terrorism, but, um, but I'm not going to worry about that today. So I feel like the chicken the, is, the, you're doing it a favor by clearing the nest out. Doing it a favor yeah. to clear out the nest. That's true. That's true. And keep the coyotes away. Um, but, um, but to me, like I will catch myself and go like, Oh, wait a minute, dummy. Don't, you know, don't eat a bag of Funyuns. You've got like these delicious eggs in here. You can just you grab that, put some salt Funyuns. on it. Oh, Funyuns are good. I want that. Everybody thinks Funyuns are dumb until somebody shows up with Funyuns. You open the bag and then the bag is gone because Funyuns <laughs> might be the best thing ever. They're so much better than you think or remember. Yeah. I challenge you. I challenge you, BT Dubs Nation. Get out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the first BT Dubs challenge. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So that's eggs. And uh, I would eggs be would the deviled eggs be a good Super Bowl snack? Are you going to make those for your Super Bowl party this weekend? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I pull more for the one team than the other team, but I'm very excited for these two gladiatorial teams to move the ball. Now your Eagles are in this, is that right? Mm-hmm. This is a big. You got to be so excited, Dan. Very excited. Like all the fun and aside, this this has to be exciting. Very excited. Uh, the last time that the Eagles made it to the which are my team, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, and, and unlike some people from Philadelphia who randomly pick another team to like, I picked the team that I was born into, the Eagles, and mm-hmm. uh, and so for me, this is a big one because the last time that we were there was 12 years ago, and the time before that was 24 years ago, so this is a big deal. We've never won a Super Bowl, and of course, we have to go up against the Patriots, which are... Oh, God, the Everyone Patriots. hates the Patriots. Even, even they're like the, the, Patriots they're like the Dallas Cowboys them. of football. <laughs> no, one, no one's quite that bad. No one's sensible, yeah. No, but I'm... Um, How do you like their chances? My understanding is that, uh, that the Patriots are favored by five... But Five points. yeah, but the Eagles mm-hmm. are a great team. They're playing well. We um, 
our our first quarterback had uh, an ACL injury, so he's out. And we were pretty sure that this was like, you know what? Philadelphians were used to this. We're used to rooting for our team, and then right when everything looks good, something yeah. terrible happens. And it's like it's like kind of like being a Cubs fan. Like yeah, back yeah, in, in some ways. And and you know Carson Wentz, he's ACL, and like okay, he's out for the whole season. Uh, will will our second string quarterback be able to to do a good job? Uh, but you know, um, we believe in him. Uh, we think he is going to, cause he, he played well, Nick Foles is who I'm talking about. He played well mm-hmm. the last few games and we slaughtered the Vikings who were a very good team, uh, especially late in the season. So I don't know. I think we've got some chance. I think we have a chance and, uh, you think they have heart, Dan. Oh yeah. More heart than the Patriots. That's for Eagles damn sure. Oh, give me a break. The Eagles uh, are all heart, dude. They're all what about Tom Brady. Does he play football? Nope. Not anymore. Okay. Is he the inflate gate guy? Yep. What about Franco Harris? Is he still playing? Not anymore. Okay. None of these guys, Robert, Robert, none of Roberto what Clemente? these guys do would be qualified as, as, as Robert, playing. Roberto Clemente. He's not playing anymore. Is he? No. Okay. No. Too soon. Woo! Woo! Now you're going to get email. Ah, but I'm very you. excited. I have, a, I have a whole thing. I'm going to get some well, wings. I might get some barbecue there and uh, do it. do it right. You should do that. You should put it on the Insta. <sighs> oh, stream! You mean like a? Oh, you could stream a story. It. Sure, you could periscope, 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 and me just <laughs> reacting on the sofa. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have fun, don't we? Hard-boiled eggs, Alan Alda. Uh, another classic episode. Um, Alan Alda. I love Alan Alda. He's got the best voice for voiceover work I think ever. He's so warm. Um. I also, well, I got a bunch of dumb stuff. I wanted to re-up uh, Ted Ed Talks on YouTube because my kid is so into these. She's finally taken a break from all the life hacks and like squishies and, and tiny food videos. And she's now, when I brush her hair in the morning, she watches Ted Ed Talks. And I just wanted to recommend them to people. It's fun for grownups. It's fun for kids. They're very, very well done animations about a lot of history. Let's go look. Let's go look at Ted Ed videos on YouTube. What causes cavities? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ted Ed on YouTube, Ted Ed talks. But if you got kids and they're they're very um, they're very well done, they're very amusing, they're very short. Uh, check out Ted Ed videos by the people who do the uh, insufferable Ted talks. But these are all done like they're very well done. Like oh, there's such a good one about how was it the was it the Roman Empire is like Game of Thrones. They do they do so much good stuff. Yeah, so check them out. They also have a lot of riddles I can never solve. They do a lot of riddles. I'm bad at riddles. Give an example of your uh, favorite riddle. Let's see here. Oh, oh, my favorite riddle. I mean, the ones, I like the ones I know the answer to. That's the ones I mostly like. You know, like what walks on four legs and then oh, two yeah, legs that's and then a three good legs. One. That's right? a good one. Right. Answer me these questions three. <laughs> so that's most of what I've got. And then I got lots of letters from, uh, from, from, uh, from listeners. Do you have anything else you want to jam in at this point? No, I kind of covered the stuff that I was hoping to cover but i feel like we do need some little when we do things like we need little jingles or something oh wouldn't that be fun I, like i could sing a, i could sing a letter song for you yeah like we get it like you could sing it and then one of the listeners could put it to music or something like that or we could just oh. call a li- i know that we have musically talented musicians songwriters people like that listening who are thinking right now like i would do a jingle for for that i think yeah. we should bring for the what is it again get the, uh, jonathan mann 
the BT Dubs Nation. I think there's <laughs> someone in, in there who is yeah. going to send in uh, a jingle for us for the different show just, segments. Uh, for this one, I'll just copy Elliot Kalen. All the letters, all the time, all the letters, all the time. Right now, right now, I'm an unborn letter with so much potential. Dugga, dugga, dugga. Letters. Um, <laughs> let's do a letter, then you can tell me about something you like. Oh, here's a real quick one that I thought was fun. Uh, from listener Don, not that Don, another Don. Listener Don, uh, so you know the thing about how Nintendo cartridges are bitter. Yes, that's fascinating to me. I really thought you were just messing around with that, but they are they are edible looking. This was, a, uh, as the kids say today, as the youth say, it was kind of a meme that when the Switch came out, I guess there's a thing where people just put things in their mouth. I was not aware of this. Two co-hosts of another program that I do, both independently put put these things in their mouth as soon as they arrived. I think it's very strange. That's millenniums. But everybody said as So like one, they just oh, receive something and they, they get say- something in the mail, they put it in their mouth. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, they say, let's taste this. Yeah, yeah. What does this taste like? What can I fit it in my mouth? So it became a whole thing where people were saying, hey, you got this cool Nintendo Switch, but have you tasted the cartridges? And everybody's like, oh my God, these things are so nasty. Mm. Now, now, have you ever tasted one? No. Well, we have follow-up. I have one here. Should I taste it on the show? I'm not kidding. Yes. Okay, hold yes, on. Yes, do it. Get it. Hold on. Put it in your mouth. All right, hold on. Okay, Dan is, Dan is going to retrieve his cartridge. He's going to put it in his mouth. All right. Uh, now, how far in do I have to put it? I would say just take it with Zelda side up and just put it on the middle of your tongue. Okay, well, I'm not going to do it with the Zelda one, but I'll do it with the uh, Mario, Mario Kart. Hattie Boy? Mario Kart. Mario Kart. All right, here it is. Hold on. Got it out. Okay. This is the Nintendo Switch Mario Kart 8. What part of it do I taste? I would say, so you don't uh, wreck the resale value, I would keep the logo side up. Okay. And lick this sort of bottom plastic yeah, put part? put it on your tongue. See what it's like. Or just lick it. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm smelling. It doesn't smell like anything. Okay. Oh, it's horrible. Is it really? Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, that's really bad. Well, guess what? Oh. Turns out... Turns out oh. they put it there on purpose. Dan, are you ready for this? Turns out. Oh no, it's still tasting bad. Like That's you know what still- that is. That's how you know it's working. You are tasting something called. Ooh. This is via, via the Verge. We'll put this in notes. A bittering bittering agent Ugh. called denatonium benzoate has been applied. Because guess what? They don't want kids putting it in their mouth. I'm gonna eat some a bar right now to I get this bar. out of here. How about that denatonium benzoate? So it's pretty bad. I'll do it when I get home. Yeah, and try do it. it. You have to do it now. Yeah, do you need to brush? I'm eating a bar if I'm... Do you keep hydrogen peroxide on your desk? No. Oh, you should have... Alcohol. Only alcohol. You just open this boy up? Mm. Yeah, I'm not... Listen, I'm Mm. not exaggerating. That's really bad. Really bad. It's a agent. Feels good. Like, Mm. shockingly, bracingly bad. So I guess the system works. Thank you, Japan. Now, my only concern is... Yes. if, If you get past the flavor like if one per like if you first child licks it oh like a tide pod type situation does then the second one like is it absorbed off of it or is it always in there oh so you could hire somebody uh what do you call it a moil you get somebody who comes in and licks all your cartridges for you and that takes off all the benzo benzo benzoems nobody <laughs> is gonna eat one of these things i promise you that that's good we're saving lives oh. man pretty the bar bad helped. Huh? the bar fixed it it's, it's the bittering agent um, 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 why don't you tell me if you, when you recover, why yeah. don't you tell me about another thing that you like? I would tell you about a thing 
mm-hmm. called Squarespace. 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 It's a better way to cook. It's a what? better way to cook. To tr- mm-hmm. I mean, to turn your cool idea into a new website. Into about a website cooking. could be a portfolio. It could be a blog or a podcast. It could be. You could even put a store up, Dan. You could put a store if you want. You don't even need a reason. You just sell sell gophers. <laughs> the beautiful templates created by world class designers. Powerful e commerce built in. Customize the look and feel. Tweak the settings. Add products. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can even buy. Domains, Squarespace is now a domain name registration company. 200 <laughs> extensions available for your uh, Squarespace website. Or even if you don't want them for your Squarespace website, you just want to go get a domain. This is a great place to go to get a domain. There's nothing to ever patch. There's nothing to upgrade. They've got 24-7 customer support, which has won awards in and of itself. And this lets you make things yourself. You don't need help. You can do it. Your own on your own, even if you're not, this isn't like what you're about, even if you're not like the, the website person, if you're a developer or a designer, you might still like it because it's going to save you time. But if you do something else in the world, like let's say you sell bittering agents and you want to mm-hmm. make a website <laughs> to sell that, you could do that and you know nothing about HTML, nothing about CSS. It doesn't matter. You can you're still make- they're a bittering agent agent. Yes. You're the agent of bitterness. The a- yes. <laughs> You could use Squarespace to make your own website and without knowing any of that stuff. And now, boom, your site's yeah, fo- up. Focus and it's on the bitterness. Let them do all the heavy That's lifting. right. So if mm-hmm. you're ready to start a new business, you want to make your product stand out, you can do this all with Squarespace. It's a wonderful service, simple to use. Go to squarespace.com. You'll get a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code It's Your Show. One word, It's Your Show. And you will save 10% off your first purchase of a website or you just want a domain. You're like, I don't need a website now. Mm-mm, I might need mm-mm. one later, but I'm not ready yet. Fine. Get the domain, get it today. Squarespace.com. It's your show. will save you 10% on that too. So thank you very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Merlin man. Dan Benjamin. Buck, buck. Love Squarespace. Huge fan. Bittering agent. I, I used them just yesterday to post a uh, Roderick on the line. That's where I go. I go to Squarespace. I upload a boom, done out. Great episode. Can you, can you, um, like get, uh, this bittering agent elsewhere and put it on something like you were saying with the nail polish, like for your fingernails. Or yeah. Something? If you wanted to stop biting your fingernails, is that a thing? Let's see if they got it on Amazon pub chem, the most bitter substance. Oh, the most bitter substance in the world. I thought that was human love. Let's see. <laughs> uh, let's look on Amazon. Let's, uh, oh, 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 made by Chem Savers. How, you, you how get, funny would it be to put some of this on oh, something yeah. as a practical joke? To oh, someone, it'd be so funny. Putting your kid's chocolate? Putting it on a little bit of chocolate or put it, you know, like on the, yeah, on the remote I think at like home. listener deedly deedly dee, Don said, I guess it's, so you can buy this stuff called Onyx Professional Stop the Bite Nail Biting and Thumb Sucking Deterrent Polish. What's it called? So, Onyx Professional Stop the Bite Nail Biting and Thumb Sucking Deterrent Polish. <laughs> <laughs> on its oh. professional stop the bite nail biting and thumb sucking deterrent polish 0.5 fluid ounces helps nails grow and can be used as top or base coat that's the title by onyx professional 699 not available on prime uh, onyx o-n-y-x what the, that one onyx professional stop the bite nail biting and thumb sucking deterrent polish 0.5 uh, fluid ounces helps nails grow and can be used as a top or base coat yeah onyx onyx professional onyx professional onyx there it is well, there are, they do make some that are uh, on Prime. 
Onyx Professional. Oh, here's the Onyx Brands website. Is that a Squarespace site? I don't think so. You can get a two-pack for eleven I'll, I'll put that one in the show notes since it's We still don't prime. know who killed him, right? Who? Tupac? Um, <laughs> Dent, uh, I shouldn't have coffee. Quick and easy results. Special formulation stimulates nail growth. It's a chemical compound, C28H34N2. Merlin, you, I really, really want for you to taste one of these very soon. I'll do it as soon as I get home. I'll do it as soon as I get home. I'll put a couple of these in the show notes. Um, uh, Man, I wish I had known about this when I was a kid and I used to bite my nails instead of I snapping know. a rubber band all year long. It, it, yeah. I would have tasted this you twice. Take, you and, tape these to your fingers. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, that's right. <laughs> Why is he trying to do, what's he doing with that shrub? He's a little confused. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just so you know, uh, Zelda's not the boy. Zelda is not the boy. Link is the boy. No, the girl. The girl is named. Her name is. Her name is Peach, and uh, she died of dysentery. No, that's a different. Uh, well, pretty kind of a gamer. So, <laughs> why don't we do one more and we'll call it a shorty? You got two right. today, right? Ah, uh, yeah. We, well, that was it. We're done. Okay, this, this one could be a movable feast, but I, you know, you know, Dan, what are my favorite kinds of questions? The kind with no real answer. The kind where I have no idea how to respond. It's oh, okay. very good. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's all. Mm. Listener David, I'm in the process of interviewing to become the director of our technical support department. Good for you, David. My company offers over 40, see now you're just selling me. My company offers over 40 different software solutions uh, that can be very complex. Most of our support team require more than one call. I'd like to help ensure that our customers, this, this may be better for Moises, but I'm going to toss this out. I'd like to help ensure that our customers have a great experience when working with our support department. In your minds, what makes for a great customer experience when it comes to dealing with issues of a more complex technical nature? Listener David asks, what makes for a good customer experience, especially when you're dealing with technical stuff? Question to you, Dan. Mm -hmm. And we will accept bullets for this because I think we need to work on this together. Yeah. Well, um, that's a kind of a big question. Well, I'm just going to start with feeling listened to. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is that whatever the problem is, even if the answer is no, we can't fix it or, uh, or, or no, there's nothing I can do to help you. The main essence of the support ticket is that the person wants to feel that they have been heard and that you are seriously responding to them and them on an individual basis in a straightforward way. Uh, I hear the problem that you're experiencing. I'm sorry. I am sorry that you're experiencing this problem. Mm -hmm. And either I fixed it for you already, I will fix it soon, or here's the ETA for fixing it, or gosh, I'm really sorry, but we're like, we're never going to fix it, but I feel your pain nonetheless. That's mm -hmm. the main thing, people. That is the takeaway. Especially if you really believe it. Yes, you have to. You have to believe it. It if has you to don't, be genuine. It's very kind of. We actually talked about this on Roderick on the line yesterday. The frustration of getting the whole like, "Hey, that's great. Follow us on Twitter. Have a snapperific day." Dee -dee -dee. Yeah. You know that kind of like smiley face, as John says, the yellow smiley face attitude. But you know that wears a little thin if you're feeling. I don't know. I think. I think one of the things is a lot of times you get you want support on something not particularly complicated, where it's like I'm pretty sure that I'm missing something. 
Like you could, you know what I mean? The kind of stuff where you legit go in and say like, I'm probably missing something. It's not something weird. Like this one DNS server went out. It's something where you're like, I have a feeling I'm just not putting the right, you know, tab into the right slot, right. so to speak. Well, and so I, you go in and like somebody can quickly say, oh, actually, yeah, this is how that would work. Or like I put together some Ikea furniture today. Ikea instructions are fine, except for when you miss a tiny, tiny, tiny detail. It's like they don't highlight the fact that both of the holes on the back of the bookcase need to be facing up. Otherwise, you're going to have to take it apart and redo it. Right. <laughs> right. There's just like dumb pilot error stuff. Feeling listened to, feeling like feeling understood, feeling like they at least understand. Well, let me, let me, give, an exa- let me give an example to you. Yeah, please, please. Um, just yesterday we had a little, uh, issue, a little networking issue on fireside and we wanted the Linode guys to look at, which is where we host all that stuff, um, to look at the node balancer for us. And we wrote a long email explaining the problem and got a, a, a wonderful response from them with, tremendously detailed data inside of it and everything that they checked and everything that, that they looked into and a really good explanation of, you know, what was going on. Uh, but one of the things that we, we needed to sort of explain something else to them. And then we wrote it back to them. So there's a thread of a few emails here. It's very technical. And in the midst of all this highly, highly technical stuff, the way that they respond to the final ticket, uh, which everything was resolved. Um, it was just, I thought it was really, really nice uh, and and the the guy responds and at the end of his email or the end of the support ticket he says I definitely recommend keeping an eye on it as you mentioned just in case you see the issue again and here's the part that really that really gets me he says it can be tough to determine what caused a particular issue when the problem is no longer occurring please reach back out with any further questions or concerns but just that little thing what he said it can be tough to determine he's he's saying you know what like. I get that this stuff isn't easy. You're not some dumb idiot customer who doesn't know what you're doing. He's like, you know what? This stuff is hard. Right. And a, a lot of it's just because like, this is kind of a Syracuse ask thing, but like just because we made the problem stop appearing doesn't mean it fully went away. You know, you get that with right. coding a lot. We're right. like, you're not generating this error, but how do you know you fix the actual problem? You may not know yet. That's right. And and it, this acknowledges all of that in a very simple, straightforward way. And then right at the bottom of it, there's a little, how did I do thing? And it's got three little faces. The, there's a green happy face. There's a yellow kind of straight mouth. And then there's a red little sad face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, basically what they're saying is we couldn't do anything to help you in this situation. And the problem seems to have gone away. But... Like, we acknowledge that it was frustrating for you. We're sorry that it happened, even though it probably wasn't our fault. We're still sorry about it. And, like, keep talking to us and tell us if it happens again. That's a kind of an openness I think is super important. Yeah, you don't feel like you're being, like, swept away or shushed away. Right. It's not like, well, I didn't see any problem. It was your fault, maybe. You know, it's not like that. Even though that was probably true, they would never, they didn't say that. And so I think that's, like, a a good sign of a good tech support message. Yeah, I do, too. I mean... You know, this is, this is David, listener, David, this is your business. You know this better than we do. But I mean, I guess there's all the obvious stuff or seemingly obvious stuff. Like, um, it helps if you can in your, in your capabilities, like to respond with an actual response in a timely manner. We had a a real train wreck of a dinner delivery on a night that was like, it was going to be a fun night in and it was kind of event Uh-oh. dining for us. What and, happened? Well, the gig economy service, they gave us somebody else's order and presumably somebody else got our order. 
but it was actually, it was during the day. It was a day off from school and my kid and I was going to have like our, our fun lunch that we like to have. This is not the end of the world, but and it happens. You have mistakes, but I can't, I, you know, and you contact them, you don't hear back. It's like, Hey, Hey, heads up. If the person's still in the neighborhood, can you give us our food and we'll give them their food? And like, well, you've received your response. Very important. Be sure to respond above this line. And, and like, mm. and then it's like, okay, so, um, still haven't gotten the meal. At this point has been half an hour. And then now I'm mad. I hate to admit it, but at right. that point I'm kind of mad. Right. And I'm flustered that nobody's responding to this effed up meal that was important to me today. And so it was like three hours later, they were finally, they finally said, okay, your credit card won't be charged. Thanks. And it's like, it just, that just drives me crazy. It, it wasn't timely and it wasn't authentic. I'm going to give three quick bullets about what not to do, <laughs> in my opinion. If you have any say in helping people, I, I would just say as, as a customer who tries not to be an aggrieved customer, there's three ways I want you to not make me feel, right? And this is, you have to go slather this onto your company toast, however it works for you. Number one, don't make me feel like I'm stupid. Um, I, I might be missing something, but don't act like I'm an idiot. Um, and, and I've been that guy. I've been that guy who's like, you're a Comcast. I know exactly what kind of uh, RJ14. Bit, 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 bit. And it's like, eh. okay, as a consumer, it's not helpful to do that. But like you respond authentically and, and don't act like I'm a total dumbass, especially when it happens to be an overseas call at six in the morning and the person's reading in a binder. It's very, if your cable's not working and you're talking to somebody and they're asking you like, are you using Mac or PC? That kind of thing. Right. It's like, dude, you know, that's not probably actually the problem. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, is that, is there really a chance that because I'm using a Mac, that's why the cable is not up inside of our house? Like try not to make the person feel stupid, but maybe even more so number two, don't make them feel crazy. Don't gaslight them. Right. Like don't, don't say like mumbo jumbo stuff that's not true that covers your ass in order to make it seem like it's their problem. Do you know what I mean? Totally. My third quick tip, mm-hmm. looking at you, AT&T. Not AT&T oh. actually has great customer support. The people are very, very good. Uh, don't make me feel stupid. Don't make me feel crazy. And if possible, don't make me feel like prey. I, I don't like it when I call to resolve a bill and I have to sit and listen to a pitch about what I should do to change my service for a good value. Right. It's, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when you, like you, you call your cop you call your, in your case, time Warner or you call your provider. I believe you're an AT&T guy, but you call and you talk to that company and they end up trying to work in a pitch for changes to your service. Sometimes, you know, you, you say, no, thank you. And you move on. Other right. times they can be a little more aggressive. Um, and you know, in fact, sometimes AT&T has actually lowered my bill by changing my plan. So that I'm not saying it's always bad, but you know, have some sensitivity and context to the conversation. If there's something going on and the person's obviously kind of flustered, maybe that's not the best time to pitch them on more of your service. Cause guess what? They've already been sitting, listening to an on hold message yeah. about all of the other things that they can <laughs> right. buy from your company and how all this can be resolved by visiting www. That's, you don't have to listen to that all day, but we, we do when we're on and it feels even for a well-balanced normal person, it's a little bit galling to have to listen to that. I think so, you know, and then of course there's always the obligatory, do you want to participate in a survey? And it's like, have you ever, has anybody ever wanted to participate in a survey Never. except to say that they're mad? They're mad, right. They would, that's the only reason they would participate would be to say you were horrible. You're a horrible Horrible customer service representative. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get out of the way. Like as much as you want to be a gracious worker at the hotel or at the car rental counter, let's let's just both quietly understand that you will succeed best 
if we absolutely minimize the amount of time that I'm talking to you. I've just been traveling. I want to go lay on the bed. I don't want you to describe the sconces and how the the in-room uh, heated floor works. I just want to go lay down, you know? So, you know, um, and maybe the, the deed of that is like, don't let your branding get in the way. Don't be too cute about it. But you've, you've had to deal with a lot of these kinds of things in your jobs, your careers, your life. Like what really stands out for you to ways to, as ways to differentiate yourself to, to maybe even make, in, like in some cases, to make the support part of the experience? What are the kinds of things you would offer? Well, I mean, the, you know, when I think about support and I think about being in that role, like it's your job as the person doing the support, like that's your first and foremost, like customer service. And I think a lot of this for me came into, I, I came into this because my first jobs were retail jobs, Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Like mm. they hammered that into us that like, it doesn't matter what your quote unquote job is, your job, all of our jobs are to make the customers happy. Right. right. So like. You're not and they'll paid. remember that. They'll remember that. Like if the if this unempowered bag boy was somehow well, able to help them have a better experience, they're going to really remember that. Right. Like I, I can't tell you how many times people would be loading the stuff from the cart onto the little conveyor belt and they drop something. Could be the eggs, could be something else. The minute that I would see that, I would say, don't worry about that. And I'd look at what they had and I'd fly away as fast as I could, run and go get them another one. And bring them the other one, and then they would be fine. And then, and meanwhile, the cashier is saying, "Oh, you know, let me, don't worry about that." Well, and someone else would fly over with a mop or whatever to clean it up. You know, like this happened mm -hmm. constantly. This happened daily, and people always made like a big, "Oh, it's so nice of you to get me another box of eggs and everything else." I'm like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Happy to do it." Like, it's not like, well, it's not my job to like go back in the store and get you the eggs. Like, no, it it is. Even though that wasn't something I was like trained to do. It seemed like it would be helpful. Yeah. So I went and did it. And that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that like, that's not, that actually isn't going above and beyond. That's doing your job. And, right, right, you know, right. it's, I will say probably about 30% of the support requests that I get for Fireside are related to one or two main categories that are answered in detail in the fact that's on the website. But what people don't want to be told is, uh, that's on the fact you should go yeah, read just it. Go look it up. Go, go look, it up, go look at it. It's here's a link. They don't want that. What they want is, I'm really sorry you ran into this trouble. Um, mm -hmm. yes, here's the answer. And you tell them right there what the answer is. And you know what? You can cut and paste it from the fact, or you can use text expander to drop it in, whatever. Uh, yeah. but then, then you say also, by the way, this question and others like it are answered in the fact. Here's a link to that in case you have other questions. Maybe they'll be answered there for you too. But you can't send them away with just, well, here's a link. Go look it up. That's not good customer service. Yes, that's solving their problem because the answer mm -hmm. is there and you're sending them there, right? But that's not actually what they want. They want personal attention. They want... And, and again, to not, feel, to not feel stupid. To not feel stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had I had somebody who ran into a bunch of errors uh, during it, that outage that I mentioned earlier when we were uh, running into trouble, and um, they had actually were one of the first people to report it. And so, like, I gave them a, a ten dollar credit because oh, they nice. were the first ones to report it and detail what the problem was and explain what was going on. I'm like, you know what? Like, that's just like a half a month free. Like, that's fine. You know, like I that that's 
the way to say thank you. To me, that's not a big deal. But to them, that's a real big deal. They got 50% off for a month, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of thing that um, they, I think can make a big difference when you're uh, when you're dealing with people who are usually only contacting you out of frustration, like you have to remember that they're not contacting you when they're happy. They're contacting you when they're like already frustrated or maybe even upset in some cases. Yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, I'm sure everyone's aware of this in customer service, but nobody feels great about calling customer service. It's the court of last resort. It's where you've tried, you feel like you've tried all the things that you can think of, regardless of like how actually technically talented you are or able, like you've, tried all of those things and you're all now you're already feeling a little bit of you know a sense of peak about how it's going maybe one tip for with regard to his specific listener david is specifically saying uh what makes for a great customer experience when it comes to dealing with issues of a more complex technical nature i don't have an exact answer but i think this could go for any kind of customer service but especially things that are in any way technical is like find people who are good good at listening to where they they can, how does one say, qualify, evaluate. They can help figure out how technically advanced that person is. Right. So, I mean, is there, if if it is something that involves like the BIOS, does it make sense to keep that person on the phone for like eight hours? Mm -hmm. Or do you just want to do an RMA? (laughs) Right. Like there's, there's certain kinds of things where like, like I had a, um, I don't know. I've, I've had some very good experiences recently, actually with places where they followed up via email, not by saying, Oh, by the way, this is on the website, but more like what felt like a personal note about like, Hey, to fix your tire, you can get this soapy water in a, you know, in a spray bottle. And if that doesn't work, try deflating it and reflating it to overflating. And like, just giving me lots of different solutions saying, Hey, if that doesn't work, just send it back and we'll replace it. Right. That feels great. You know? And I, no matter how advanced you are, that feels good. But I don't know. I bet it's a very artful thing to get good at determining how deep you should dive with somebody without saying like, you know, are you an idiot or an engineer or somewhere in between, you know? Hmm. Hmm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Thank you to listener David and uh, break a leg uh, with the interview. Ah, he's going to do fine. I'm not worried about him. I love that kid. David, you kidding me? Yeah. Like like him, you don't eat all at once. No, (laughs) Uh, I think we've done it. I think so. We've done it. You feeling good? So. Yeah, I feel great. Yeah. So, so our sponsors. Uh, thanks to uh, to uh, Squarespace and Euro. Yeah. Two things we actually do use. And I want you to go taste that uh, that cartridge as soon as possible. All right, I need to eat lunch, so <laughs> I feel like I might want to eat first. Maybe. Maybe you want to get this first, and then you won't eat. Oh, you won't overeat. Oh, you're saying that I won't... Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I was remarking on my weight. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You used to call me fat. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it was affectionate, right? Yeah, always. The most uh-huh. affectionate. That's sweet. <laughs> All right. Thanks to the BT Dubs Nation for tuning in once again to America's Favorite uh, Productivity Pound Sign uh, Creative <laughs> Work Show. Back to work. BT Dubs. B two dubs, B two dubs. I said B T dubs, B two dubs, B two dubs, B two dubs. Which I thought I heard it as B T dubs, but whatever rolls off the tongue, I think better. You'll fix that in the edit, though, right? Yeah, I'll edit all that out. Okay, all right. Well, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, fats.